Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pillar of Light Podcast. In our podcast today, we are talking about how our habits are created based on our environment and how we can create new habits based on our environmental routine. In addition to citing the book, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. If you are interested in a copy of the book, Atomic Habits, I will be sure to leave a link at the end of the episode for you guys in the bio of Apple and Spotify podcasts for you to check it out. I suggest it's a great book for anyone who is interested in breaking habits or learning more about our habitual routines and our habitual selves. Without further ado, let's get started. So in this book, what I found super interesting that James Clear had mentioned was most people live in a world others have created for them. The thing many people may pass by is how true that is within any environment that we're living in, whether it's in our work environment, our home environment, our environment of our boyfriend or girlfriend, or the environment that we like to hang out with our friends in. You're constantly developing your habits in the environment that you're in. So for example, in the book he mentioned, if there was a bowl of cookies in my kitchen, flat out in the center of my kitchen, it would be easy for me to grab a cookie and overindulge possibly in the cookies because it's right there in the center, opposed to if someone had placed the cookie jar, the cookie bowl at the end of the kitchen, I would be more inclined to skip out on a cookie because it's not in an area that would be easy for me to get. I would have to put effort into it to get it, which leaves me to wanna skip out on the cookie. And to add to this, there was a study done in Massachusetts at a general hospital in Boston and a primary care physician had a crazy idea that she could improve the eating habits of thousands of hospital staff and visitors without changing their willpower or motivation in the slightest way. And what was so influential about this was she was not going to tell any of them that she was doing this. So after a six-month study of altering the choice architecture of the hospital cafeteria, they started to change the way the drinks were arranged in the room. All the refrigerators originally in the cafeteria were located next to the cash registers and were filled with only soda. What the researchers had done was to add water as an option to each one and place baskets of bottled water next to the food stations throughout the room. Although soda was still a primary beverage in the refrigerators, the water was now available at all drinking stations, and so it allowed them to have more options of water than the only option to be soda. Over the next three months, they had noticed that the soda sales at the hospital were dropped by 11.4%. Meanwhile, the bottled water increased by 25%. So you can see dramatically that there was a change based on the architecture of how the water and soda placement was in the cafeteria that led the employees to purchase either or. 
They also had made similar adjustments and saw similar results with the food placement in the cafeteria. And meanwhile, nobody is saying a word about anything that is happening. Not one person had a clue they were doing this. As a result, they began to see the behavior had shifted naturally without any additional motivation because of the architecture of how the beverage and the food placement was in the specific cafeteria. So with this being said, it is often people will choose a product not because of what they are, but because of where they are. If you walk into Target, or Vons, Sprouts, Whole Foods, or wherever you may go shopping, you notice that a lot of the high-end brands are located at the top of the shelf. Meanwhile, the low-cost brands are located at the bottom of the shelf. This is a way for companies to show their products because they are aware that many people will be less likely to bend down, crouch down to see an object because they want their objects to be in a place of easy access. Despite our unique personalities, certain behaviors tend to arise again, and under certain environmental conditions, people are more likely to behave in certain ways depending on the environment. The example of going out with your friends and to a bar if you have a habit of not drinking it is more likely for you to ask for a shot ask for beer or a beverage at the bar because you are around other people who are purchasing the alcohol even though it is not something that you value or that you truly enjoy and based on the context it gives you a cue of i should purchase a beer and this is constant in every environment that we're in because it is designed to shape our human behavior and it is common for animals too for having their own methods for sensing and understanding the world Eagles, for example, have a remarkable long distance of vision. Snakes can taste the air with their highly sensitive tongues. Sharks are able to detect amounts of electricity and vibration in the water caused by nearby fish. And for humans, our perception is directed by our sensory nervous system. And the reason why I go into this is because a lot of the habits that we have, especially out in the real world or on a grand scale, it is always being influenced, whether it is the type of texture our chip has that we like, whether it is the type of commercials we are watching or the entertainment that is being shown to us. Everything based on our sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste sensory system, it is always forcing us to behave in ways that we may be unaware of. And by understanding this, this allows you to not be a victim of your environment and to choose to be the architect of it. By designing your environment for success, we are more likely to notice a cue that stands out. In the 1970s, a Dutch researcher had begun to pay close attention to the country's energy usage and they had noticed a suburb near Amsterdam had 30% less 
energy usage within their neighborhoods because every house was nearly identical except for one feature. A lot of the homes had a different location of the electrical meter. Many had them in the basement. Meanwhile, others had their electrical meter upstairs in the main hallway. As you can assume, many people were using less electricity because their energy was obvious and it began to be easier to track and so this caused people to change their behavior. Because every habit is initiated by a cue, we're more likely to notice the cues that stand out. And unfortunately, the environments that we live in and work in are often not made easy to do certain things because the obvious cues fail to trigger the behavior. Let's say you would like to develop a habit of working out each morning. Being your running shoes, your yoga mat, your workout clothes, failing to be out and about for you to see in the mornings don't allow you to develop a cue because it is not out for your mind to see it. It begins to be easier to skip out on working out. So by understanding our relationship to our environment and knowing the habits that we want to create, how can we develop our habits? How can we develop a habit in your environment? If you want it to be a big part of your life, make sure the cue is a big part of your environment. The more persistent that you are with behaviors are usually a result of multiple cues. For example, if you were to consider different ways a smoker could be prompted to pull out a cigarette, it could be reasons for driving in a car, seeing a friend, smoke, feeling stressed out at work, and so on. The same thing goes when you're developing a strategy for good habits. By making sure the triggers are in your surrounding environment, this forces you to develop a behavior that acts accordingly with your new habit. And a key point of this is making sure the best choice is the most obvious one. Making a better decision is easy and natural when the cues for good habits are right in front of you. And by circling back to environmental design, we now understand how most people in the world understand how most people live in a world others have created for them. By altering your spaces where you live and work, this will allow you to increase your exposure to positive cues and reduce your exposure to negative ones. This will allow you to be more of the person you are meant to be rather than the person you are avoiding to be. Allow yourself to be the creator of your world and not merely the victim of it. Another point to consider when you are developing new habits is to associate a new habit with a new context rather than build a new habit in the face of competing cues. This is a great way to stay consistent with your world to a habit that you want to keep within your life. If you would like to eat healthier, it is more likely when you go to a grocery store you've been going to for a long time, you shop on autopilot or grab the same things you are usually inclined to grabbing. Instead, take a trip to your new grocery store and shop there so that way your habits of grabbing the same things over and over again are less likely to be done in a new grocery store. By being in a new environment, your brain doesn't automatically know what to do and instead creates a new way of how to adjust in the environment. This is especially true for those who are working from home 
and who often associate their bed for their working space as well. By helping yourself out and associating your bed for sleeping and your kitchen table for your work environment, this allows you to develop habits more easily because there's no competing cues that are happening at the same time. Do I go to sleep or do I send out my emails for work right now? And although I understand for many people, it may be difficult to do so because of the lack of space in the environment or how your home situation may be. It will be different for all people, but what matters is that you're able to separate your workspace and your sleeping space so that way they aren't competing with each other and you're able to work more efficiently and effectively. The whole point is to avoid mixing your habits with another one because very often will the easier ones rule out the harder ones. If you can manage to stay within your environmental routine to stay consistent with them throughout a period of time that is easier to manage, you will successfully be able to create a new habit and now is a lot easier for you to perform because you understand everything has a place and a purpose in their environment. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to leave a review and a like on Apple and Spotify podcasts to let me know what you think about this episode. If you know anyone who is interested in learning more about your habits and how our habits are influenced by our environments, be sure to send them this episode and be on the lookout for more episodes coming soon. I love you all and I'll leave you off with this today. If you're having trouble changing your habits, the problem isn't you. The problem is your system. Bad habits repeat themselves again and again, not because you don't want to change, but because you have the wrong system for change. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Thank you all again for tuning into this episode, and I will talk with you soon. Bye now.